you're the one that says that you ate 24 or 30-something pubic hairs because you eat so much at fast food throughout the year. Yeah, but I paid for all that pubic hair. I didn't use a coupon. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> Great. Paid for it multiple ways. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alrighty. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder, Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan from Here the Sphere, presented to you by Noel Game Day. We are here on Monday night recording. We are going to recap the Notre Dame game. We are going to preview the Virginia game coming up. That is tomorrow night. We are also going to cover the hot topics covering Florida State football. Also, the new commit that is coming to Mike Norvell and staff in Tallahassee. Um, and we're also going to give our thoughts on the Kobe Bryant news that has obviously been uh, a pretty tough um, you know, 36 hours right now. It's been a tough day and a half for the sports world. Um, but as always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, um, and various other places like YouTube. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on all your platforms. But yeah, I've got Dustin Lewis, our lead writer and editor, and our lead basketball writer, Austin VZ, with us this evening. How are you guys doing? Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah, definitely a, a somber evening after everything that's transpired. Yeah, it's been a, like you said, Dustin, or Logan, it's been a really weird 36 hours, but I'm coming to you live from Charlottesville, ready for this game tomorrow, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, it, I, I got the news <clears throat> um, when I was just on, on Twitter, and you know, just regular Sunday, relaxing, and uh, you know, whenever you see stuff like that on Twitter and coming from TMZ, of course, you know, I was, you know, like, no way, you know, it can't be true. You know, Kobe Bryant, you know, one of the biggest names in households is, has gotten into a crash with a helicopter and, and has died and passed away. And um, it, it, it's extremely, extremely tough for the sports world. And anyway, you know, me and Austin were talking about it before we started recording. And, you know, Austin was noting that's not he wasn't the biggest fan of Kobe. But for what Kobe did for the basketball world, sports world and, and for families and what he's starting now, it, it just hits you. And, you know, you keep on thinking it's not true. And then you go and look on your phone and you've seen videos and highlight videos. It's, it's just so tough. And I'm not even a huge NBA guys, everybody knows. Um, but 
you know, I would still, I remember watching Kobe Bryant's last game. If you just like sports, if you love sports, you're, you're you know, Kobe Bryant and you've watched a few games and it, it's just tough and I hate it. And also his daughter, it just, it just pisses me off too. It, it just, there's a rage and then there's a sadness. It could just kind of goes in different levels. Yeah. I was at work when we found out one of my jobs is working with the Charlotte Hornets box office. And the guy who was working in the lobby kind of like peered his head under the window and said, Kobe just died. I'm like, Bryant? He's like, yeah. I'm like, no way. And I was the only computer that had internet, so I just typed in Kobe Bryant real quick, and sure enough. And the, the whole room felt pretty dead real quick, because obviously he was drafted by Charlotte originally. Mm-hmm. So he, he's got a connection with the city, and every, everyone in that city felt it. As soon as I was leaving the arena, there was Kobe Bryant memorabilia everywhere, in memoriam pictures, driving home, they're on billboards already. It was, it was a tough few hours. Yeah, and it was, I mean, just a, a tragic accident felt by by everyone. I mean, like you, Logan, I was just looking at Twitter, and then for the next five, six hours, I was just glued to my phone, looking at the updates, hoping it wasn't real, hoping that his daughter hadn't been on, on the helicopter, and all the other people as well. And obviously, you saw, you saw the tributes around college basketball, the Pro Bowl, the NBA last night, guys taking 24 second shot clock violations, <clears throat> eight second violations to start games. I even saw on NBA 2K online yeah. to start to start online games, people were taking 24 second violations, which is a little humorous. But it, I mean, it just it shows how much this has touched everyone and affected everyone, and just so many people, not even in the United States, around the world. I mean the mindset that that we all have today is just it's different than it was i think a lot of people you know go to sports or go to music you know to kind of just get their minds off of life distract you know life problems and and that's why i think a lot of people that cover sports like us i know for me most certainly that's why i started my family went through a divorce i wanted to find a distraction and and covering sports and entertaining fans and building audiences is something that i went to but sports changes lives for everybody either if you didn't play it if you're covering it uh but you know losing somebody like this um is just heartbreaking and you know i i I don't know how what i'm gonna feel like whenever you know Shaq is on air i think they're going to be speaking tomorrow and outside the staples center on their show and you know i i he's affected so many people and you know the the toughest thing also is what he was going to do after you know after he's retired and what he's doing you know his second act as being a a guy that's helping kids you know build their dreams and also his daughter and coach her and be so close with him. And he just looks like an awesome father. Like, it just seems like he'd be someone that you would love to be around. You know, you just wish he would be in, in your family. You know, he just seems so genuine <clears throat> and also a, a badass a basketball player that just changed, changed the game in a lot of ways and, and tried to get on that level with Michael Jordan. So it, it's, it's a, it's just so tough for everyone. This is, this is mainly, you know, this is a football and basketball podcast just for Florida state athletics, but it just shows, you know, Kobe Bryant's name and what he's done is, is, something that is unmatched to much of any. So um, just thought we'd give our thoughts on that before we jump into the rest of the podcast. I think this week 
uh, Florida State. Uh, we're going to start off with Florida State basketball. Um, obviously, I think we might we might need to start doing that anyways. They are ranked number five in the country. They're also staying <laughs> that. The AP poll keeps the Florida State Seminoles and Leonard Hamilton at number five. Um, and Florida State, I was at the game. Me and Dustin talked about it in our last podcast. So we were excited about being there uh, in the tuck for a primetime matchup against Notre Dame. Me and my mom and sister went. We had a great time blackout. It, it was great atmosphere, as it should be. This team deserves it. But Florida State scrapes and runs away with the win, 85-84, to 84, last second pretty much. Um, it, it looked like Florida State – was gonna have a have a tough game at the first part, but then they came back and it was like, okay, they, they should have smooth sailing. But Notre Dame came, comes back in the second half. Yeah, it was a it was just a wild and and weird game. Would you would you agree with that, Austin? Yeah, it's hard to say it was anything except wild. There's about five <laughs> minutes left. I'm thinking, oh, Florida State's got this. They're up double digits. Yeah, Notre Dame starts chipping away, starts chipping away. Florida State's missing easy looks at the rims. Notre Dame keeps chipping away. And then you look up and it's a two, two, three point game, and you're like, oh God, are we actually going to win this? Then Raycon Gray turns it over, inbounding yeah. the ball, makes it a one point game, and you're, you're thinking, oh my God, is this actually happening? Next inbound, five second violation. You're like, this is happening. We're going to lose this game. <laughs> and then the final 18 seconds was just, <laughs> it was so nerve wracking. And Matt, it reminded me of the 16 17 season home game against Notre Dame. Where John blocked like four four yeah, shots yeah. in the final five seconds, it was it was the same kind of game. Yeah, it was like you said that last sequence was insane. I was I was staying up in my seats, literally, literally hand like hands on my knees, just staring at the court, pretty much expecting them to make the shot. And then after the block, when they were able to inbound it with uh, three seconds or so left, I was I was for sure. That, that 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 shot was somehow gonna gonna find its way to the bottom of the net, but thankfully, despite all those errors in the the last couple seconds, Florida State survived. And we've said it so many times on the podcast. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you win. And Florida State did that, and they stay in the top five. But certainly, some concerning performance down the last couple of minutes of this game, and Leonard Hamilton's gonna want to get that cleaned up before Tuesday night. Yeah, that last three seconds, like you were saying, it reminded me so much of the Duke situation from last season. And Mike Bray's a great coach. He ran a very similar play to what Duke did, expecting that they could get someone open on the wing. But great recognition by Turk to get out there and guard the guy because John Mooney was diving to the basket wide open, but they just didn't see him because that wasn't the play. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. He was was wide open. I mean, yeah. And I noted in my three game-changing plays article, if you guys go check that out on gameday.com, uh, Anthony Polite jumping kind of blocked Mooney's or any pass that Mooney could have gotten there. Mm-hmm. And Trent Forrest was sliding over there, but it would have been tough for him to get there. But yeah, but they, I, they did get a little lucky that they didn't get the ball to Mooney right in front of the basket. Yeah, well, one guy I want to talk about, the standout star – from this game, at least from the Florida State side, Wyatt Wilkes, who exploded for a career-high 19 points, hit his first five threes before missing the six, and went six to ten from the field. And uh, I mean, what what do you think about Wyatt? I mean, I've 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 talked about how big of a, a Wyatt Wilkes fan 
I am in this podcast before. And man, he, he finally showed up. I, that's one of the most prolific three-point shooting performances we've seen in, in a minute from a Florida State player. Yeah, that was that was unbelievable. I was at work for the first half of the game, and I got a, I got up early for work, so I just tweeted out how we look, and someone said, Wyatt have four threes. I said, Wyatt, four threes? Because <laughs> he hasn't played that much this season, and when he has, he hasn't been very great. Yeah. We've heard how great of a three-point shooter he is in practice, and he's a great three-point shooter in practice. I've seen it for two seasons now. But we just hadn't seen it in game. And to see him explode for five of six from downtown, you're like, what? <laughs> that was my entire reaction. I, I had no idea what to think about it. Once he hit the post turnaround fade, and I think it was either late first half or early second half, I'm like, he, he legitimately cannot miss right now. He can do anything he wants. Yeah, and um, coming, into, coming into this game... Wyatt had only made eight threes all season, and three of them came against St. Francis back in uh, November when he had set a, a previous career high with 14 points. So, yeah, I mean, uh, a great shooter is due for a performance like this, I would feel like. And I think over the next couple games, you'll definitely see Wyatt as a more consistent face in the rotation, especially if he can keep knocking the three ball down at even an average rate. I mean, Get him to 38, 40%. He doesn't have to go five of six every night, but if he, if he can become a capable threat that's going to consistently knock down open threes, he can definitely be out on the floor because he does provide some good looks with his passing. Didn't have an assist this game, but I think he's a, a really good passer as well. Yeah, I agree. That, that was one of the things I was really impressed about him most when I was watching him every day in practice, his knowledge of the offense, and he knows where people are going to be at certain points. And that's such a great asset to have in an offense, especially when you're about to go against a really tough defense in Virginia. If he can keep providing those open looks from downtown and keep that great passing, he's going to stay in the rotation. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And then, I mean, you've got your other guys. You've got Trent Forrest, Devin Vassell, who continue to stay pretty consistent. Vassell looked pretty smooth out there. He he missed a couple shots down the stretch. And also Raekwon, Outside of those last two turnovers, he had a pretty decent game, went 6 of 10, hit a 3, finished with 13 points, 4 rebounds, that crucial block at the end to to save the win. So cut out those last two turnovers, and you're looking at a pretty solid performance from Gray as well. Yeah, that was his career high. And even those last two turnovers, I really think only the first one was his fault, where he kind of leans to the side and tries to pass it. Yeah, Don't lean, just make a good pass. The second one, that was another play I talked about in my article. There was no pass he really could have made, and it was better that he holds on to it for a five-second call instead of giving a live ball turnover. Um, I also thought it was a quick five-second call, for at least in my opinion. It was right. It was a little longer than five seconds. It was like five and a half, but it's faster than you would normally see from a ref. Usually those five-second calls will go for like six or seven seconds. Yeah. And also, you had Balsa Kopervika return to action after missing some games with an injury, and he looked pretty good coming back. From, from that injury, did miss a couple looks at the rim in the second half, but he finished with six points, six rebounds, a steal, and an assist. And I think having Balsa back is, is huge for this team. We've talked about the lack of big man depth and having him to go along with Oleznikzik really, really helps out Florida State down low. Yeah, and I was still expecting him to be out because we, we haven't heard anything about his availability. And Coach Anderson right. said, eh, he'll be out for a while. <laughs> and everything I was hearing from inside is, yeah, he's still going to be out for a little while. And then I see he's playing and Patrick Williams isn't. I'm like, what is happening? 
Yeah, you need better sources, man. I know, and I've got <laughs> some of the best sources. That's the that's the that's the sad part. Um, <laughs> the Patrick Williams injury, it just seemed like it was something that happened in warmups. He just sprained his toe. I don't know if he just jumped wrong or landed wrong or whatever, but the broadcast announced that it's a sprained toe, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And just real quick noting, uh, Raquan Evans played 12 minutes, and we also saw a brief appearance from Nate Jack, who checked in for probably less than a minute. In that minute, airballed a deep three that he probably shouldn't have attempted. So what do you think about Florida State continuing to – build that guard depth that's, I guess, deeper into the rotation. The guys that come in and provide some scrappy minutes whenever Forrest and Polite have to sit for a few. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Raekwon Evans. I think he's going to be a fantastic player. It's just he's got to be more consistent. And, and I know he's coming from a Juco, so he only has one more season to prove what he can do. But I'm a huge fan of his potential and what he can do on the basketball floor. Nate Jack, I don't know if we're ever going to see him get those consistent minutes, and I don't know why, because this team really needs his shooting, especially against Virginia, when you need to spread that pack line defense out just a little bit. Having every shooter out there that you can is so important. And I, just, I don't know if he's just not understanding the plays, if he's just super lackluster on defense and practice. I, I don't, I'm not sure what the issue is with him, but I would love to see him start playing more. Yeah, and in his limited minutes, he shot 39.1% from downtown. So you have to think being a consistent member um, on on the floor would probably definitely help him get into more of a rhythm shooting-wise. And I remember watching him in the exhibition games, and he looked he didn't look terrible. He's not elite on defense by any means, but he definitely looked capable. He's six foot five. He has the athleticism to move with guys, and he was also rebounding quite well out there for a guard. So I'd be interested to see Hamilton potentially give him a look as we move forward. Yeah, I would too. And I don't know why he's not. I really don't. Like you said, it's, it's gotta be something that they're seeing in practice that we aren't. That's really the only thing it can be because I mean, you as well as anyone knows how tight Hamilton is on that rotation with guys who struggle defensively. They just, they won't get in the game. Yeah. And we saw that with, Trent Forrest's freshman season where he wasn't playing a lot because he was still learning his way defensively. But speaking of Trent Forrest, he became the second player in program history with 1,000-plus points, 500-plus assists, 400-plus rebounds, and 200-plus steals. It's a heck of a stat line for a career, and he's joining a number, great number three player from Florida State and Bob Sura. He's meant so much to Florida State, and Coach Hams has even said that, and there's so many, you're seeing more articles about it nowadays. He's such a special player now and such a great leader for this young Florida State team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to give it up for what Trent has done during his time at Florida State. I mean, he came in when this program wasn't elite, and as he's developed and as more talent has began to come to Tallahassee, this program, as as he stands to leave it at the end of the season right now, is – an elite program among college basketball, which is still crazy to say about, about Florida state and, and what they've built. Yeah. And he's also now just, I believe he's now just four wins away from me in the winning this player in program history, which is even more spectacular. Yeah. Last year's, last year's squad took that place and he's right in line to take it over. Yeah. And he, he might get it in these next four games. 
That'd be great if we did. At this rate. Yeah, we've got some tough games ahead, but we'll, we'll get into that as we cross that bridge. <laughs> well, Austin, you want to talk about Virginia? We've got a rematch from the game we saw earlier in January that Florida State was able to pull out in Tallahassee. You think it might be a little bit different in Charlottesville? Yeah, Virginia's actually favored by a point going into this as we sit right now at 9 o'clock on Monday night, which I'm not surprised about, even even though Virginia has lost either three of the last four or three of the last five. You know, they're coming off one against Georgia Tech. But yeah, being at home always helps. You're, you usually don't see shooting translate. It's usually, de- 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 bleh, it's usually the defense that travels. So we'll see how Florida State can adjust to this environment. Because they haven't played great on the road this season. They got killed at Indiana. Miami game went into overtime when it probably shouldn't have. The Wake Forest game, who cares? It's Wake Forest. <laughs> and then even the neutral site games like against USF, that was a lot closer than it should have been. Yeah. So it, it's still a learning process, and it's still a very young team. So how they're going to bounce back after struggling these last three games is going to be huge for them. Last game, their entire focus was to take away Kihei Clark, which they did to a certain point. He had eight points, five assists, but he also had nine turnovers. But the points he did get were really easy looks at the rim. I believe Coach Jones had the scout for the last Virginia game, which means he'll still have it for this game. So I want to, I want to see if he makes any adjustments to have more help defense at the rim, considering they don't have great shooters. You know, I, I think this is a game where we could see Florida State bounce back. And what I mean by that is they had the dominating performance at Louisville early in January where they pretty much decimated the Cardinals. Then after that, FSU played at Wake where they struggled a bit in the second half coming off of that Louisville game. They had a tough battle with Virginia that they were able to pull out in Tallahassee, which I think led a little bit into a lull against Miami, which they survived in those crazy last couple of minutes with an overtime victory. And then against Notre Dame, once again, those last couple of minutes, Florida State just slipped a little bit and allowed the Irish to have a chance to win it at the buzzer. So this is a spot for me where Florida State, they played four lackluster games that they could have dropped in the last couple of minutes. And going going to Virginia gives this team a chance to focus up against a really talented defense on the road and just come out swinging. We've seen some really great performances from this team at Virginia over the last couple of years. That game winner by Dwayne Bacon comes to mind. I can't remember which year. I guess that was 2017, right, Austin? Yeah, it was. New, I believe it was New Year's Eve 2016 because it was the night after the Orange Bowl against Michigan. Yeah, so that one comes to mind for me when Dwayne Bacon absolutely just took over down the stretch and won, won that game for FSU. And like you said, they've struggled a little bit away from the tuck, and they need to prove that they can win on the road because you're not going to have the comforts of home when you're playing in the NCAA tournament, and you have to prove you can win without your home crowd at your back. Yeah, and like you were saying last time, even when they played Virginia early in the season, Devin Vassell and Anthony Polite had 32 of FSU's 54 points. Florida State's not built to have two players have more than 50% of their points. They need everybody contributing, everybody scoring. So again, another chance at Virginia where you can hopefully get Trent Forrest better looks, where you can hopefully get Malik Osborne better looks. The more guys that contribute, the harder they are to guard. You can't just have two guys carry this offense. 
And the same thing for Virginia. They've only had three guys really consistently carry what shell of an offense they have yeah. with Mamadi Diak. How did they say? Diakati, I believe they said on broadcast. Diakati, uh, Braxton Key, and then Kihei Clark, like we mentioned earlier. A- again, it's going to be an ugly, ugly offensive game. I know people are going to, after the game, I already know they're going to say Florida State's struggling offensively. What do <laughs> they have to do? Two of these games are against Virginia. Just deal with it. Yeah. First one to 60 wins because I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think it's going to be 45. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure Virginia still hasn't won a game where they've scored less than 60 points, which was a stat you brought up in the first preview for the Cavaliers. And, yeah, they, ha- they have lost three of their last five. And recently on January 20th, they lost to NC State at home, 53-51. to 51. So, Virginia, they're, they're not the world beaters they were a season ago. And this is definitely a spot for Florida State to go in and get a tough road win. Yeah, and it's, it's actually four of the last six because they lost three straight coming – or they lost two straight coming in FSU. Yeah, Lost to right. us. Then they beat Georgia Tech on the road, which Georgia Tech's starting to beat some teams, so that's not a bad win, especially on the road. Then loses at home to NC State, who's a fire rocket offensively. NC State's so great offensively, but defense is where they struggle. So that's a good matchup for <laughs> NC State. And then one on the road at Wake by a total of two points. So Virginia's not great, but Florida State's still been struggling. It's it's going to be an ugly game. That's That's the only way to say that. Yeah, and just like last time when... Virginia came into Tallahassee off the heels of, of that losing streak, trying not to lose their third straight game ever in the Tony Bennett era. This is another spot where you can expect a really tough and focused Virginia team because right now they're sitting at just 13-6. and six. It's not looking great for their odds to make the NCAA tournament at this point of the season, and this would be a really big win for their resume. I mean, a win against a top-five opponent after how much they've struggled recently. So Virginia, Tony Bennett, as always, he's going to have them ready to go for this game. And like you said, Austin, it's going to be ugly. Two great defenses clashing against one another, and whoever breaks first is going to lose. Yeah, and as bad as the ACC has been this year, Virginia only has, I'm looking at their schedule now, they have maybe four chances at a quadrant one victory, two games against Louisville, us, Duke, and maybe at Virginia Tech, depending on how Virginia Tech closes out ACC. So they need to start racking up these quality wins ASAP. Otherwise, they're at a real, they have a real chance of missing the tournament, which no one would have thought coming into the season. Yeah, it's pretty insane. You don't normally see a team go from national champions to out of the tournament completely. But, I mean, they did lose their, their top three players to the NBA, whether it was – um, an early declaration or graduating and then being drafted. So they lost a lot of talent, but honestly you would expect Tony Bennett to have some experienced guys in that program to step up and take over this year where they could at least get back to tournament, even if they lost in the first round. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty sad, pretty sad season for them right now. Um, I'm pretty sure were they ranked in the top 10 coming into the year. I don't know if they're coming into the season, but I believe they got there at one point during the season. Yeah, because they started off the year not too bad, but as it went on, you you can just see that their offense isn't to the level that it needs to be for a team to be elite. 
And at the same end, despite the poor offense, we've talked about how great their defense has been to keep them in so many ball games to give them a chance. Yeah, and they'll be right back where they were a season ago by next season because they've got Sam Hauser setting up due to transfer eligibility rules. But yeah, it's been interesting to see this season. Yeah, so if you don't have anything else you want to add, you want to go into some score predictions for this game? Oh, God. Um, I wonder what the over <laughs> what do you think the total is for this? I'm gonna say the total is a hundred and four. Nah, lower than that. I'll say ninety-eight. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go ninety-eight for the total. Which means I gotta do some math. I'm gonna <laughs> say Florida State wins. <laughs> um oh Lord. Um, Still doing math, huh? Yeah. I'll say Florida State wins 52-46. And I think the math adds up there. Yeah, 52-46. Something like that. Uh, I just checked checked my betting site. Uh, the, the total... For are they the over under for this game is 115 and a half? Which what side are you looking at? Good lord! <laughs> I guess the free money side because I'm about to bet the under. Yeah, I I have one website that I use that kind of composes them all together. Um, some of them are at 110, which means they haven't really set it yet. Um, one site has it at 104, which is decent. And another has 105. Yeah, anything. 115. Good lord. 115 and a half. <laughs> I'm betting so hard on the under there. <laughs> I'd bet my life savings on the under. All right. Well, hey, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna tell you. I'm gonna take your advice. I'm gonna make sure <laughs> to put that bet in after we get off the podcast here. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, like I said, I, I think this is a spot for Florida State to bounce back. So I'm going to go FSU 60, Virginia 51. Not a not a huge win, but for Virginia that's like a 30 point blowout for everyone else. That's true. That's true. What what's the what's the quote from Leonard Hamilton? A four point victory is yeah. an ACC blowout. Four point victory is an ACC blowout. So yeah, Florida State's going to destroy Virginia tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. That'd be 11 games in a row? Yes. Yep, 11 games in a row. Wow. Should be a good game. 7 p.m. Tuesday night on ESPN, Florida State at Virginia. Seminoles looking to keep that double-digit game winning streak and also keep that top five dream alive for another week. That'd be impressive. Let's move on to a little bit of football here. If Austin... Suddenly leaves us. He has plans, some better plans than me and Dustin. He's got some stuff to do tonight. But I think he's going to stick with us for a little bit longer, cover a little bit of football here. Florida State held their junior day and a little bit of their – had a lot of visitors come in also, recruiting-wise. Uh, Florida State hosted two official visitors for Tribe 20 this weekend. Marcus Douglas and three-star athlete Darian Williamson both played at Haywood High School in out of Brownsville, Tennessee. Um, any thoughts on this, Dustin, as, you know, 
things seem to be kind of heating up for Mike Norvell. I think kids and, and these guys, these young men coming in and starting to speak with Mike Norvell, we're starting to see, and we'll get to it too, and going over an article we just released, uh, seems like they are pretty impressed so far with this staff and might be quite a bit more than the staff that was just here in Tallahassee. Yeah, I think these guys, they can definitely tell how detail-oriented Mike Norvell and everyone else he's brought in. I mean, from every, from everything I've heard, this was this was a very crazy weekend for Florida State because not only did they have these two official visitors for the 2020 class, but there was also, I don't even know how many, probably 50 or so guys from future classes that came in for junior day. So Florida State they were kind of juggling both of, of these visit events at once. And by all accounts, they did an extremely good job. Uh, actually saw Marcus and Douglas and Darren Williamson at the Florida state basketball game on Saturday night. Um, Douglas was with Cam McDonald and Darian Williamson was with Keyshawn Hilton and also pretty much the entire coaching staff analysts, all types of guys were out there as well. So I thought it was really cool to see so much. You yawning over there? Was boring you? Huh? I'm oh, sorry. Say it again. I said, are, my you bad. Yaw- are you yawning over there? Is this boring you? Yeah, I was about to say, Dustin. Can you I'll just wake up the mic. Can you wake up the crowd a little bit more? Jeez. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm I'm trying. Just I'm not being the recruiting guy. <laughs> I know. Well, I was gonna say Austin should pitch in maybe. You got anything? To, got anything to add on these guys, Austin? To be honest, I, I didn't even know they committed until y'all put it in the group chat. So they haven't. You know. They haven't committed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there see? it is. I thought we were there. That just shows everyone right now. So nobody, <laughs> nobody better come at us saying that we need to get thoughts from Austin <laughs> with recruiting news. That's why he stays in the background. He does That's his why best. I'm on yeah, there you yeah. go. Same with me. That's why I just step back, and we just, you know, we're, we're, our roles are better for some uh, circumstances. Let's go a little bit here. You know, Florida State now has brought in three commits, uh, actually one today, uh, with offensive tackle Robert Scott committing. He's a 2020 guy. Uh, before that, on Sunday at 6, 2020 athlete Corey Wren, one of the fastest recruits in the country, commits to Florida State. Um, and then also a local product, Joshua Farmer, 2021 defensive end, has committed to Florida State uh, after his visit there. Um, I'm, you know, which which guy out of these three, Dustin, excites you the most for the state? That's tough. That's really tough because it's it's always great to see Florida State land an offensive tackle, which. Yeah. It's something they haven't done recently over the last couple of years. But then you look at a guy like Corey Wren, who's just so athletic, so explosive. Um, according to 247, he ran a 10.41 verified 100-meter dash, which is crazy. I mean, that's pretty much almost as fast as some guys at the Olympics are, are running. And he's actually expected to partic- participate in the track program at Florida State as well. And just really a gadget guy that Mike Norvell can use all over the offense, wide receiver, running back. Also, he can return kicks, return punts. Just such a versatile athlete. 
a really big win for Florida State to get his get his uh, commitment. And yeah, also also Scott. I mean, can I can I just choose them both? Yeah, no, it's a it's pretty much a stupid question nowadays. Like we've talked about this whole year is that if you're landing an offensive lineman at Florida State now that's actually talented, and he fl- and Florida State flips him, Coach Atkins and Norvell flip him from Ole Miss, another SEC guy, to Florida State. Yeah. Um, you know, And this seems to be kind of a trend going on. There's probably going to be another one that we might note on, too, coming up uh, that is most likely going to be uh, that has just recently decommitted from Tennessee. Uh, but it seems like Norvell and staff, are not, you know, they're obviously going after their needs. Um, but I, I do think fans and, you know, also people covering, you know, obviously will we'll understand they, they're, they're not four-star, five-stars. Um, th- those will come. You know, wins help in that factor too, getting these kind of guys. But you're bringing in talent that is needed uh, and depth. And one thing, you know, like Dustin noted, I, you know, Corey Wren is a speedster guy. I guess you can kind of, um, relate uh, compare him with Kermit Whitfield, uh, who obviously everyone was excited to see him get a little bit of space and see what he could do. Obviously, in 2013, the national championship, I mean, it was just how stupid how fast he was. Um, and you know, he, he's going to participate, you know, with the track team. And I think that's good. You know, a lot of former players used to, uh, you know, be on the track team. Florida State holds one of the best track teams in the country, definitely, and door. Um, right now uh, and also outdoor is actually picking up too for them um, I, I i think having two sport guys like this is, is something that that is means more than you know just saying i think having a guy like that is huge for huge for florida state because like we've talked about and a lot of people have been you know predicting what he will be used with the offense he can be used in a lot of different ways um and i think i think norvell obviously likes where he's going to be able to put him in certain spots yeah and also with Scott, I mean, he's he's a legit six foot five, three hundred and ten pounds, and just I mean to land a quality offensive tackle, he's a potential. I think he's a potential four star prospect in the final rankings from two four seven, but to land a quality offensive tackle, just it means a lot for Florida State. Everyone knows what that offensive line looks like. Scott <laughs> Scott has a a body that you can build upon and. He's a solid pass blocker, a pretty good run blocker, athletic enough to pull out and, and block defensive backs. So I think he's a guy that Florida State, they've got a lot to work with right there. And Alex Atkins did a great job um, getting that that um, co- level of comfort with him for him to be willing to commit to Florida State in such a short time period. Because he's an Arkansas native. He officially visited Arkansas this past weekend. Like you said, he was committed to Ole Miss. So there were some SEC programs that wanted this guy, and Florida State won out in the end. And just to go back real quick on Marguson Douglas and Darian Williamson, um, Marguson Douglas, he plays tight end. I think as long as Florida State has a spot for him in the class, that's where he's going to end up. He's choosing between FSU and Michigan State. Um, maybe maybe before signing day, we'll see. Then Darian Williamson, same thing, as long as there's a spot – I think he's a null. Um, you know, you wonder why he decommitted to Tennessee. That's mm-hmm. that's probably why. And at the next level, he's expected to play wide receiver. And both of those guys are guys that David Johnson had big relationships with coming from Tennessee to Tallahassee. And that relationship is a big reason that Florida State was able to get them into Tallahassee this weekend. 
Grad transfer offensive lineman Devin Cochran chooses Georgia Tech over Florida State. What does this affect the Knowles? Obviously, we were just talking about offensive linemen, how much this means for FSU, and this was obviously a target for the Seminoles. But um, he, he picks Georgia Tech over over the Knowles in Tallahassee. Uh, how you know obviously Robert Robert Scott commits helps that, but you know how how how. Is this a major loss for Florida State, or would they live? Um, oh, drop my phone. Uh, I was, I thought you had fallen out of the chair. I was about to say, oh, <laughs> I was about to say, we have some great content. That's sadly all I was thinking about. I call it a pretty, pretty decent loss, just because even though you get Scott, he's not a guy that you want to plug and play immediately as a true freshman. He's someone you want to develop. Whereas Cochran, you're, you were hoping that Florida State would be able to get him and he would instantly come in and be a veteran left tackle for a year before moving on and holding that position down while FSU continues to develop young linemen that are in the program. And now you're back on the market. I'm not really sure how many grad transfer offensive tackles are left at this point, particularly quality offensive tackles. I mean, you don't want to just take anyone, but you do have some good guys in the program. I mean, you think about um redshirt freshman Darius Washington who started a couple games at left tackle last year hopefully he can continue to develop over the offseason and if FSU doesn't land on their grad transfer hopefully they've got an option that they can count on to protect whoever starts a quarterback's blindside in 2020 yeah um but yeah, there's a lot of momentum going for Norvell right now. Um, and I kind of want to go to a piece uh, that Nicholas, our new writer that just joined Null Game Day, released on a four-star that most recently visited Florida State this last weekend. Um, I'm pulling it up here. Uh, he, he notes on, this is coming also from Wayne McGahee from Tallahassee Democrat, wrote an article on this with his interview um, with Jackson Chambre. Am I, hopefully I'm saying that right. I think that's right. I just always screw up people's last I names. I believe it's, yeah, I believe it's Chambre. Chambre, okay, perfect. Uh, but he notes and tells Wayne McGahee from Tallahassee Democrat, says, um, the new coaching staff is way better than the last staff and are just better coaches in general. Um, this actually, you know, this recently, you know, with, with Keith Gavin, too, if I don't think we've spoken on him either, which we can go and talk about, too. Keith Gavin talked uh, in a podcast interview saying, you know, he didn't come to Florida State to be coached by Willie Taggart, and he thought that it was just too playful, and the practices weren't the same as it was with Jimbo Fisher, weren't as intense and focused. It seemed like there was a little bit more playing around and dancing, than, uh, and that's not what he expected to come to and come to come to work for. He wanted to come to work, and it seemed like it was just too much of just joking around and stuff. Um, but, yeah, this is actually a four-star Defensive end that comments and says that he believes, well, in his opinion, the the staff now is way better than last staffs and Taggarts, and they're best. Then they're just better coaches in general. What are y'all's thoughts on that comment from that four-star defensive end, Chambray? It's not. It's not very surprising. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) it's it's, uh, not. It's hard to be worse than Taggart. Wow, I wasn't saying that. (laughs) I'm sorry. 
it's not a whole lot different than what we've heard from a lot of other people. I know there was a couple other 2021 guys who this weekend said they thought the change was for the better now that this new staff is in place. So, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's been an upgrade to this point with what Mike Norvell has done in such a short time period. And, I mean, you see it. They, they got a bunch of talented junior guys on campus despite – you know, only being on the job since December. Yeah. I, 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 oh, did I just burp? Did you hear that? I don't know what you did. You made a bunch of sounds. <laughs> I did burp. Uh, we'll have to check the recording if that came through. But it just shows, I mean, I. it's going to really start. I mean, if it hasn't already, but it's really just going to start pissing off a lot of people because, you know, did, a, did really a fan – come and coach this team you know it just seems like that's kind of what has happened and i don't know i mean you know you hit a whole 180 from what jimbo fisher was honestly from that coaching staff how it was ran the program from the inside and out is just different i mean that's what we saw coming in with with taggart he showed that there was a little bit more of open arms and and a little bit more playing around and, and dancing and wanting to be you know having the the players you know, I don't know, be like, like be able to like Taggart more. I don't know. It, it just I would seemed- say he made it more of a player's program than a, than a program run by discipline. And he just couldn't figure out the correct balance between those two, because you can have a player's program, but at the same time, you've also got to be able to discipline those guys. And at the right time, be able to get them in order when you need it, particularly on Saturdays, which we saw the struggle with the penalties and staying organized defensively, the <clears throat> lining up wrong on offense, missed blocks. When Whenever you have all of that disorganization, it, it trickles down to every other aspect of your program. Yeah, and it all starts from the inside. Team meetings, discipline from in there. Um and, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I, I just hope, I know there's a lot of Taggart, pro-Taggart people, and, you know, I still, I, I think that it was the right time to let him go. I don't, you know, you lose to, you're, you're going to lose at Florida either way, but you lose to Miami, um, and you just don't, there, there was just no progress. There was no positive outcomes going into the next game it just seemed to be the over and over and over carousel of things happening definitely discipline wise just continue to happen no matter what no changes were made um and it, it just you know now recruits are talking about it and you know this obviously should be a good momentum for florida state i want to talk about now and we don't have it on the notes here but demory tate you know the 247 rankings are coming out the final ones for the 2020 class is there a chance that Florida State could bring in a five-star into this class with DeMori Tate because he had a very, very nice um, um, Under Armour All-American game and had a whole great week of practice, too, against some of the top dogs on the wide receiver side? Yeah, no, not only that, but he had an elite senior season. And, I mean, just looking at DeMori Tate, he, he, remi- he looks like that prototypical Florida State defensive back long, rangy, able to lock down receivers and also athletic enough to come up and run coverage and provide support. I mean, he's he's six foot one, about 190 pounds. Like you said, hit a great performance during under Under Armour All-American week. And yeah, 
um, I think 247. They're pushing out some updated rankings tomorrow, which would be the day we release the podcast Tuesday. And it wouldn't surprise me if he gets bumped up to a five-star prospect, which it's it's big for Mike Norvell to land him. Um, Tate, he's been a big Florida State fan since he was since he was a kid, so I think he was going to end up in Tallahassee no matter what. But still big for the staff to meet with him and get him comfortable with the program he's coming into, because you know now he he signed he signed with a program with a different head coach than when he had originally committed. So they definitely still had to get that comfort with him because Alabama, Auburn, Florida. They were all right on his tails. So Florida State did a great job locking him down. Wouldn't surprise me to see him get that fifth star. Nah, not not me either. That was all over social media too during his week there in practice. He, he had a great week. So it'll be interesting to see. Maybe Tate Roadmaker could possibly get his fourth star. That wouldn't surprise me either. There's a couple guys that could receive a bump. Um, also, um, linebacker Jayon McClusser. Wouldn't surprise me if, if he gets a little bump up to a four-star. And like I said, Robert Scott, Corey Wren, he's right there on the edge. And then wide receiver Kentron Poiter signed with FSU during the early signing period. Kind of an unexpected yeah. prospect for the Seminoles to land. He's another guy right there on the cusp of being a four-star. So we'll see what happens when those rankings come out. Yep. Well, whenever this podcast releases, um, I'm sure they would probably already came out. So um, if <clears throat> if you're listening now, we'll see if we're right or not. And I'm sure we'll recap the updated rankings when we record later in the week. Oh, and also real quick, I saw on the podcast, Corey Rem was going to commit to Florida State. So give me my responsibility. Uh, yeah, there we go. Dustin Lewis, here we go. It's just me clapping for you. This feels sad since Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he left? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like nothing even happened. Nothing really changed. <laughs> Dang, I moved this question up to the very top so because I, I thought he would still be here. <laughs> That's what I was about to move really quickly because I know he wanted to leave around 945 uh, and get his question in. But it looks like it's just going to be left for me and Dustin. Maybe we'll even bring it back up next week, too, for him. <laughs> you want to tell everyone why he left real quick just so they know he's not totally just yeah. cutting out on a show? Yeah, no, Austin always tries to record, even if he's dead-ass tired. But Austin's uh, going to the game tomorrow in Virginia, going to the game in Charlotte. And he is actually going to an equipment manager's uh, 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 pickup game. Um, Intramural scrimmage? Yeah, like like a scrimmage game, I guess, between the the managers and former managers from Virginia's side and Florida State's side. So that's what he's doing tonight at 10 p.m. So he's probably going to have a great time and he's going to go yeah. definitely see the. I'm sure he's going to spend time with the team tomorrow and also tonight, too, if there's any chance to. And definitely with his good friends that were with the manage, equipment managers. Um, and I'm pretty actually, sure maybe, before. Let me, let me, wait, before he gets mad and listen, it's manager, my bad. Not equipment manager, it's manager. <laughs> you know, he'll, he'll come after game. Yeah, he'll come after you. <laughs> but yeah, I think before every, before every basketball game, home or away, the night before they try and schedule a game between the managers of each team. And then they keep, they keep their record throughout the season, oh. I guess, or, or something like that. So maybe Austin can provide us with some video highlights of him knocking down some threes. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but yeah, they uh, probably don't exist. <laughs> yeah. He has one video though. That's pretty badass during March Madness that he did. He did make one shot. 
Uh, he made sure that's all over social media <laughs> too. But I didn't really see any other ones after that though. So uh, he's gonna have to send us some updated uh, videos because I don't know. He might be out of it. He's been sitting on the couch too long. And you think they can sub him in tonight, or you think it's illegal? So what? I said, do you think they can sub him in tonight, or do you think that's like illegal? Uh, I think he can play tonight. I would think he <laughs> plays tonight. <laughs> I'm just wondering, that's, can they bring him off the bench? Like, is that is that cheating? Uh, You're not allowed to bring like bring a random guy off the bench. Like, who's this guy? Uh, I mean, it, I mean, really, if they just want to be nice to him, just to let him in and get a couple, you know, minutes, and I think it'd be nice, you know, because. I don't know. I, I I I just hope that he makes a basket tonight, and we'll we'll make sure whenever he gets on the podcast and to see what his stat line was, and and if it's not as good as what I think it should be, then we might need to think about him being suspended from here to the sphere. That's a little bit too far because then I'd have to start talking about basketball stuff. I'm not that great with it. Yeah, last thing we need is you talking more. No. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Jesus Christ. I do talk a lot. I've been told that since I was in freaking elementary school. But you know what? My teachers remember me. My professors remember me. And you know what? I actually talked to my middle school teacher. I'm going to dinner with my middle school teacher tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, screw Whoa. up, Dustin. Not like <laughs> it's a du- it's a dude. <laughs> and OK, you know, we need to move on here. <laughs> We need to move on. Uh, let's see. Well, what, what the question was, you know, we're going to go into our question segment here because I'm not going to forget it. And we'll also bring it back next week. But this is a good question from our regular listener. He he asked also he's going to be pissed. But can we start referring to Austin as McNasty to pay homage to his place of bitterness? <laughs> <laughs> so he's referring to my um joke that i've created for him once he started stepping on to hear the spear and i said that he worked at mcdonald's which he has never done but i need to find something just to make fun of him for good clarification yeah but i still i i don't hang out with him enough and i i still uh, don't know if he has that mcdonald's visor at his house and he still works but (laughs) if he does work there um i really need a discount Austin, because I know you're probably going to listen to this on your way home after the game tomorrow. So, um, yeah, if you have any of them discounts on just a Big Mac, I'd appreciate it, Dustin. I mean, Austin. Jesus. Sorry. Well, you're the ones that you're the one that says that you ate 24 or 30 something pubic hairs because that's because you eat so much at fast food throughout the year. Yeah, but I paid for all that pubic hair. I didn't use a coupon. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> Great. Paid for it multiple ways. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alrighty. Just a reminder that this podcast is also explicit, so it's always good to remind everybody. Uh, next explicit has happened here. No, I've said ass, but I guess that's not too bad. That's not not bad. It might get ugly later. Uh, Let's see. This next question comes from Nick Ritter. Do we have to worry about the recent struggles? I know they're still winning, but it doesn't take an expert to realize they're not playing well. What do they have to do better? This is referring to Florida State basketball. Okay, okay. okay, Yeah, this is referring to basketball. um, And obviously it was a nail-biter at the end which, you know, Notre Dame's not ranked. Um, 
and then also the Miami game. I th- I'm pretty sure this is what Nicker is referring to. But any anything that uh, for that Florida State fans should should really be worried about what, what's going on. Yeah, kind of talked about it a little bit during the basketball segment, but it just seems like they're they're not totally focused throughout the 40 minutes of the game. Um, take for instance this this Notre Dame game. They came out flat the first couple minutes. Suddenly, go on an 18-0 run, take a double-digit lead, hold on to that double-digit lead for probably the next 15 minutes or so of game time, and even had a double-digit lead in the final 10 minutes. And you see them over those last couple minutes slowly let Notre Dame dwindle it away. You have two crucial turnovers at the end by Raekwon Gray, which we also mentioned earlier. So it just seems like over the last couple minutes of ball games and throughout, they're not totally focused. And, I mean, Florida State basketball, they've never been in a position like this, ranked in the top five two weeks in a row and 11-game winning streak. The the heights that this program is reaching this year are, are just different. And I don't know if the players – can handle all of those expectations. Maybe they're getting a little bit too ahead of themselves at times. And another, another thing we've said before, Leonard Hamilton does a great job of keeping these guys focused and guided. And it's just something he's going to have to continue to do with a team that's playing such elite basketball and, and winning this much. That's, that's the trouble because you're 17 and two. Why should you focus up against a mediocre Notre Dame team at home? So that's the that's the ever struggle with being such a great team. You have to focus up even against the worst teams because any given night anyone can beat you. Yeah, and you look at what has happened this year in the college basketball world and being in that top 10 uh, fencing and being in that group that is everybody's after you type of feeling this year. And there has been so many teams that have fallen uh, yeah. from unranked teams and, and teams that are obviously ranked lower them. But it, every team now, this is what Florida State has got to get used to. I'm sure it's going to take a while. And, you know, being top five, everyone's going to be after you. Tomorrow night, that place is going to be wild, I'm sure. I mean, they want to have revenge. This is at Virginia. Virginia is still, uh, you know, like y'all were talking about earlier, still a good team and a big defensive team too. Both teams are. But, you know, you know what, you know, I, I think of it in a different way. I think, you know, it was uh, it probably shouldn't have been a nail biter on Saturday night, but they came away with that atmosphere that was wild and in front of everybody were able to seal the win and come away with it. You know, that that's what needs, that's what they need to do. And I think that's good. I think that's good for them to get that. Now they'll go on the road um, and they've been shown that they can win big games uh, and they've done it before at Virginia. So uh, obviously having a winning streak like that, Anybody wants to come and snap you. That's what is on the coach's whiteboard when they're in there. They're telling you what they have, what kind of team you're playing, what winning rank, what where they're where they're at. You know, it's uh, the competitiveness from the opponent's yeah. team is going to be huge, especially right now because one thing we noted on is the ACC is so down. There's not going to be as many teams from this conference as as usual in the NCAA tournament this year. So the teams that still have a chance that are scrapping to try and still be playing basketball in March, these are the kind of games that they need to win Mm -hmm. to get a big boost on their resume to potentially be selected for the tournament. So from here on out, 
there's a target on Florida State's back every night, and they just have they have to go out and and go to war and come out with a victory every night. That's that's what it's going to take. And whether you win by one point or whether you win by a hundred, a win's a win. And as long as you keep winning, you're going to keep being around the top of college basketball. Yeah, and I, it all depends too. I think on on experience and maturity. And how you know you can deal with mistakes with your teammate. Uh, that's something that Florida State football has lacked in the last couple of years. You can't be held accountable, worth a damn over there. Leonard Hamilton. We've heard multiple things, and from Austin has told us off off the podcast and such. It's just a different program with Leonard Hamilton. That's I, I feel I feel very trustworthy with Leonard Hamilton and, and taking the Knowles to to Virginia. Uh, let's see. The next question here is from the real Noel 91 ask injury update on Patrick Williams, Dustin. Um, yeah, we don't really have an exact update on his injury, but this might be a good one for Austin. If he was here, it, he had a, he had a sprained toe. We're not sure when he exactly got the injury. If it happened before the game or during warmups before the team played Notre Dame, but I really think this was just kind of a precautionary measure for Patrick Williams. Um, sprained toes, they're normally not too serious. So it wouldn't surprise me if FSU just kept him out for that Virginia or Notre Dame game to make sure he's healthy enough to go Tuesday night against Virginia. And this next question in relation to Patrick Williams, Jeremiah, and then a lot of numbers asks, is, <laughs> is Patrick Williams on track to be a first-round pick? Would sure love to see what he could do in year two at Florida State. You know, I don't know, because normally you would say a, a player averaging 8.1 points per game and shooting 47% from the field, 28.1% from deep, probably wouldn't be an NBA caliber prospect at that point of their career. But it's just, it's it's a pretty down draft this year, which is surprising to say there's not a lot of elite talent in the 2020 NBA draft. No one's No one's really pulling away at a wide margin yet. So I think if Williams can keep showing his athleticism and show that there's potential for his game to be built upon by the right staff, there's definitely a chance he could be a first round pick. But recently his game has come a little bit back down to earth. He had back to back 12 point performances against North Alabama and Georgia tech dating back to December 31st. But since Florida state's gotten into the meat of his conference schedule the most points he scored is six, and over his last four games, he's went one of four, three of nine, two of six, and zero oh of four before not playing against Notre Dame. So definitely want to see him start being a little bit more consistent on offense and just staying in the flow of things. Yeah, <clears throat> I know it's like a dream to think about what Florida State's team could stack up with talent-wise if he were to stay. And that, oh, that yeah. is for damn sure. I mean, that's definitely a crazy thought to think of. I think he I think he would stay if he's going to be a, a like a late first round or second round pick. I think he would stay and come back because you can tell he's got the tools. He's got the defensive instincts to, to be a monster. He's got unique athleticism. Mm-hmm. And if he can ever get a consistent jumper down on offense, I think he'd be pretty much a nightmare. Next question is coming from Mitch underscore Cobb. He asks, we seem to pl- play well at Virginia. What has made us so successful there? And how do you think the coaches leverage that for the game plan? 
This is probably a good one for Austin, too. But then again, he has some <laughs> stupid pickup game with some nerds. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'd be interested, honestly, to, to hear what Austin has to say about this question. Because, I mean, he was a, bat, a manager with the team for a couple years. He's been there in the huddle in games like this on the road against Virginia and other tough environments and seen exactly how this staff talks to the guys and what they want to do on the whiteboard, what plays they like to run in, in tough environments. Because he said, like he said, usually your defense is what travels, not your offense. So I'd be interested to see what type of Florida, what type of plays Florida State is running to open up their offense on the road when it's tougher to score. Now we move on to football. This next question is from Aaron underscore nine eight one three. Thank you for not a lot of those numbers, Aaron. It helps me out. We seem to be bringing in more kids than I expected this signing class. How many players do you think we could possibly lose to the portal after spring? Which players do you think could transfer? Enjoy the content. Keep it up. Thank you a lot, Aaron, for that comment. Appreciate it a lot. Appreciate you also for listening to us and have, dealing with us, too, and giving us a chance. But, yeah, this is a pretty good question coming from him. How many more players do you think could possibly uh, – that Florida State could possibly lose the portal after spring, and which players do you think could transfer? And this is obviously – it seems like it's just transfer central in Tallahassee, Tallahassee right now where Mike Norvell is trying to build and bring depth in uh, after losing a few guys and also just trying to maybe cut off a little bit of the fat. Yeah, it's, it's just really – it's tough to predict – how many guys are going to transfer? Obviously, there's a couple guys who have already left that we didn't really necessarily expect to, to be out the door. But just to put, I guess, a soft number on it, I would say probably five or less. Ugh, I need to figure out. It's a I tough, it's tough, man. Because I, I don't know. I mean, what we're seeing, I saw Warren Thompson and workout video today. I know a lot of people were speculating even when the season was going on that Kalen LeBorn would maybe want to transfer from Florida State. I have I have heard from a close source to him that that is not the plan. I still think that's not going to happen, uh, but things sometimes will happen out of nowhere. But I it, it could, and I think a lot of this is also, it's kind of like time will tell type thing. Um, yeah. You know, definitely in the quarterback room. I mean, I think there's going to mm-hmm. be some change there. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see maybe a couple of the redshirt senior offensive linemen who probably aren't really going to play much this year transfer out. Maybe maybe a guy gets um, a disqualification due to injury. There's a couple things that could happen. I mean, just, just looking at the offensive line, redshirt senior, you've got Jay Williams, a member of the 2019 class who I'm pretty sure didn't appear in a game last season. He was a JUCO offensive lineman and um yeah he'll be a senior next year mike arnold redshirt senior who's been on and off on the offensive line throughout his career andrew baselli who i think is going to be starting on that offensive line is a senior you've got baby on johnson who's a senior i think he'll probably he'll probably start somewhere on the offensive line and then obviously the grad transfer Devonte love taylor who will still be on the roster but there's certainly some guys along that offensive line i think that could leave Tallahassee Logan you talked about the quarterbacks who knows what's going to happen mm-hmm. there with both James Blackman and Jordan Travis really yep yeah and, I mean defensive backs 
you've still got Carlos Becker, who I think is a guy that could transfer. Um, Cyrus Fagan, I'm interested to see what happens there. And he was having a pretty decent season, too, you know, for what the defense was showing last year. I mean, wasn't that great overall, but he yeah. was having a pretty good he was having a pretty good season, before, you know, and then he gets hurt. Um, but, it, you know, Carlos Becker has been here for a long while. He's really talented, long, lanky. Yeah, he, he was actually using a lot of blitz packages. I believe it was in a Boise State we talked about earlier in the year or last year talking about him and how he was used in numerous packages yep. going off after the quarterback. And he also was with the track team, very athletic. Um, and I think he could go anywhere, but you know, I, 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 I personally, from what I've seen, I, I, I don't see him leaving, but you know, it's kind of like a, like I said, time will tell kind of thing. And yeah, it's, and so, key, it's so tricky with transfer stuff. The key here is you can have 85 players on scholarship. So we need to we need to see the numbers that Florida State's going to bring in during the signing class, and also add in the transfers as well, depending on which ones are going to be on scholarship. Because there have been some reports that Cornell Jones, linebacker transfer from Purdue, will actually be walking on. So we'll have to see what's going on there. But at the end of the day, Florida State's going to have to cut cut down to 85 scholarship players. So if they're over that limit at the end of the signing period then you can expect some transfers for them to get down to that limit. And I've, I don't have the exact number right now. I'm definitely going to dig something up because now this is uh, destroying my brain. <laughs> and uh, it is tough. That's a good question, Aaron. It's something that we'll continue to cover uh, throughout the rest of uh, the next couple of weeks, you know, leading up into National Signing Day. Uh, next one is coming from Heath. He asks, any word on Kando? As far as recovery and returning, um, I know I got word on and also Austin got word on that his recovery is going very well. Um, and he is performing and he's actually doing field work um, and he's doing it, it's been good. He's kind of now truly just mentally and, and getting it seems like he's a little bit more hungry now than he was before. Obviously, you know, a lot of thoughts, you know, he was going to leave and obviously this is going to be his last year and move on and, you know, you know, get into that NFL draft, get ready for the combine. But obviously the, the season ending injury said otherwise. Uh, and I, I think you'll see a hungry guy. But from what I've heard, recovery has gone very well with Kane Doe, which is huge for Florida State. They need a guy like him. Uh, and, you know, you keep Janarius Robinson. You got two two great experienced guys that are only going to get better to under the staff. Uh, and so news about him. And from what I've heard, Kane Doe's recovery has been going has gone very well. Uh, and I think he, he should be getting close to lifting soon. Yeah. And also I think it's safe to say that he will be back in a Florida state uniform next season. Um, it's past the deadline to declare for the NFL draft. And I don't really see him necessarily transfer getting where, because he's, he's set to be a redshirt senior starter on the edge for Florida state. And as long as he recovers and gets back to full strength, I mean, that's where he's going to be. He's going to be a key piece on the edge next year for this defense. Our last question of the night comes from Caden McGee nine. He asks, where do you think Malachi Weidman lands? So obviously it's been a 
all up in the air with Malachi Weidman. He is a Florida State commit, both wide receiver and basketball, two-sport athlete, freak athlete, someone that would be very fun to watch at the tuck, most certainly with the talent coming in next year and what Florida State's also bringing back on the court. And also football-wise, um, you know, he was really wanting to focus on basketball. He gave football a try, and obviously he has had a highlight tapes throughout <clears throat> this season and in high school. But right now it seems like it's up in the air with Malachi. What do you have on the latest there? Dustin. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no really for sure answer on this question. Uh, he has been looking at his options since the early signing period, um, but I th- I think it's more I think it's more fun for him. Uh, he's he's officially visited Tennessee and Oregon so far before National Signing Day. He had a visit to Florida Atlantic scheduled for next weekend, but I'm pretty sure <clears throat> he canceled it and. He doesn't have oh, – I, I can't recall if he does have visit plans this weekend or not, but he has a really great relationship with Ron Dugans and as well as Leonard Hamilton, who he's expected to play basketball for if he ends up at Florida State. And I, I just think – I think those relationships, they're just – they're too deep to, to not win out because Malachi, he's had this spot locked down for basically the entire fall – and yeah, you have the head coaching change, but still the the guys he has the main relationships are still at Florida State in Dugans and Florida State. They're gonna do an, another in home visit with him uh, this upcoming week. I think Mike Norvell and Kenny Dillingham are gonna be there, and there's some rumors Leonard Hamilton may be in attendance for that meeting as well. So I think if all three of those guys go up there and talk to Weidman for a couple hours he'll definitely end up being in this class because I think just having Hamilton there will be big in itself. Sweet deal. I think that's going to end off the podcast unless you have anything else to say. Dustin, you'll have to apologize to your mom tonight because you didn't say any bad words. All right. Yeah, I just wanted to say real quick, Malachi Weidman will officially visit Ole Miss this weekend. So he'll have visited Tennessee, Oregon, and Ole Miss over the past three weekends leading up to National Signing Day. But like you, I said, I think yeah. I'm predicting him to to end up at Florida State when it's all said and done. Okay, yeah, because, you know, look at Florida State basketball right now. And look yeah. what Leonard Hamilton relationship he has there with him. Like, Why wouldn't he want to be here? Yeah, number five ranked. Um, looking to have a deep run in the, in the uh, March Madness. Like, Hmm. You know, Ole Miss, nah. I mean, you don't think <laughs> basketball when you go there. Tennessee, eh, eh. And then um, Oregon, okay, all right. But, you know, Florida State right now is hot. And, you know, you, you, you sign with Florida State both, you know, football-wise and basketball. You get in a new coach with Mike Norvell. You, have, you keep Ron Dugan's. I think, like Dustin said, I mean, I think it's uh, you got to stay optimistic that Florida State is going to land Malachi Weidman. There's one thing you can't fake on the recruiting trail, and, and that's relationships. And that's exactly what Florida State has with Weidman. They have deep relationships dating back to years. I mean, Hamilton's been on this guy forever. And ever since Dugans has been in Tallahassee, Weidman has been a major target for him as well. And they have they have a great relationship with one another. So I just, just keep that stuff in mind. I mean, relationships matter and 
players have got to be able to trust who's going to develop them at the next level. And Wyman definitely trusts what he has in Tallahassee. Most certainly. That is going to do it for the end of our podcast here. Uh, we previewed a little bit of the Virginia game. We, we, we recapped, if I can even speak, God almighty, we recapped the Notre Dame win uh, that happened on Saturday night. We then went over a lot of the football stuff and quick hitters and new commits that Norvell has landed and went over y'all's questions. As always, we appreciate you guys sending questions. It means a lot. also helps us with providing you guys with some content. Um, but, yeah, as always, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, um, and YouTube. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Also, if you're on iTunes and other places, hit that subscribe button so then you'll be notified every time we release a new episode. It helps a lot. Also, if you're on iTunes, if you rate us five stars, I promise on the next po- next podcast, this one is kind of a weird one. It's been a tough couple, couple last two days, but on the next one, we're going to read out uh, the latest five-star rating that you guys have given us. Show our appreciation there. Um, and we're going to be skipping our trivia and our fun facts segments. We're going to wait and do those uh, later in the week when we record next. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, y'all hang in there. I uh, hope y'all have a good rest of y'all's week as much as y'all can. Uh, it's, it's, it's a tough one. I know for us guys, we were texting about it yesterday and, you know, we were planning on recording yesterday, but, you know, it was better just to kind of sit back and, you know, just kind of take it all in. And it, it's tough. It's tough for the sports world and um, losing someone like Kobe Bryant and just the, having his daughter be there is just, just devastating. So um, we always appreciate you guys for listening to us and giving us your time throughout the day and uh, yeah we'll talk to you guys next week um see you guys